Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we will be revisiting some of our favorite conversations from the fall of 2020. 2020 was a difficult year, but it's good to remember that there was still lots going on and other things to talk about other than a virus. We start uh, today's program by speaking with Father David Guffey of Family Theater Productions about Prey, the film on the life of Father Patrick Payton. You know him as the Rosary Priest or the Hollywood Priest who popularized the phrase, the family that prays together stays together. You don't want to miss my conversation with Father Guffey. After that, we will meet singer-songwriter Kay Clarity and learn about her new project, Kasha and Myrrh. In our second half hour, we remember the Pope's encyclical on fraternity, Fratelli Tutti, with papal biographer Austin Ivory, and we end the program by reconnecting with singer-songwriter Chris Bray, who released some singles last year and tells us about his web series. Of course, we also listen to some great music. Remember that you can listen to all our programs at slmedia.org slash podcast. And to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions, just look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also email me, pedro at slmedia.org. We begin now with The Life of Father Patrick Payton. Surely, most of you have heard the phrase, the family that prays together stays together. Or maybe you've heard the phrase, a world at prayer is a world at peace. Well, I have both those bumper stickers on my car. But those phrases are much more than catchy bumper stickers. They are perhaps mottos for the man who popularized them, the rosary priest or the Hollywood priest, Father Patrick Payton, a man who came to America seeking fortune from Ireland, and then ended up not just being a priest, but dedicating his life to promoting family prayer. And that's the story of the new film, Pray, the story of Father Patrick Payton. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Father David Guffey of Family Theater Productions. Father David, it's so good to have you on the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, I've given a little bit, and I think some people might be familiar with Patrick Payton, but, but what is it about the story of Patrick Payton that makes it one that has to be told? It's the story of a man who is absolutely driven by his love for the Lord and his love for the Blessed Mother mm. to try to build up families because he believed that families were really the heart of the church. He called the family the domestic church and that families ultimately were the heart of society. And he dedicated his whole life to trying to strengthen families by encouraging them to pray, especially pray the rosary. Now, I know that obviously uh, you at Family Theater Productions probably had, you know, a, a basement room full of, of reels and, and, and footage of Father Patrick Payton. Um, why, why do you think that this project is coming together now? I mean, you could have done it probably 10 years ago. I think it's coming together now. Uh, for one thing, uh, we were able to digitize all that great footage that we had. And in digitizing it, we found that there were, Father Peyton's words seem so relevant for today. Uh, uh, the challenges for the family, the need for something to draw families together. And so we wanted to tell the story again for a new generation. We had no idea that um, when we started making the film three years ago that that would be released in the kind of circumstances we're in now. Right. But even that's providential, I think, because families are spending so much time together. Families are under such strain because of all the things going on in the world. And our great hope is this film can be a support to them. 
Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that, about about how, because it's, some people would argue that this is not the best time to release a film, but but as you say, maybe it is. And isn't it great that maybe one of the first films that people will see in a theater is this film? Absolutely. And that was when we, we prayed about it and thought about it a lot. Some of the decisions we had to make months ago, and but we, we decided to stick with the theatrical. It will be available in digital digitally after the first of the year in early 2021. Mm-hmm. But we wanted people to have the chance to see this in, in theaters for a couple of months. Right. Um, and, and we'll let people know. But I guess since we've talked about it, it'll be October 9th is the release date and it'll be in limited theaters across the United States. Um, and we'll get all that information in a little bit. Um, I'm curious to know, I know you said that you were digitizing the footage. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about how the project came about or, or kind of how, how you went from, oh, why don't we tell the story of Patrick Payton? We've got all this great footage to, to, to what the film is now, which is not, I mean, I want you to tell us a little bit about the film because I think it's done in a way that is very contemporary and very relevant to people today and not just telling the story of someone who lived you know, who died 20 years ago. Thank you. Yeah, we, there were a number of documentaries about Father Payton already out there. Um, and a number of different groups had done little stories about him. Most of them focused on him and his work. A lot of them were really heavily focused on his work in Hollywood. And we do touch on that because it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, we, with our film, also wanted to show the relevance of Father Payton's legacy today. And so with the story of Father Patrick Payton, we also introduced through little vignettes people whose lives were touched by him when he was alive, and then also people who, were, who took to heart his message after he had passed. Families that today um, were using uh, Father Payton's ideas, uh, Father Payton's call, were acknowledging Father Payton's call to prayer to strengthen their own families. And so it, 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 you've got something that's old and, and something that was part of Father Payton's life throughout his years of ministry, but also you see families that are doing it and what, mm-hmm. what it brings, the gifts that it brings to their family. Yeah. And I, and, and for me, that makes, that makes the film really hit home because it's not about, like I said, some, some story from a long time ago. It's, it's really relevant today as well. Um, and it also makes sense that as part of the release with the film, there's this prayer campaign. Can you tell us about that? Sure. We didn't want the film to just be about uh, the Father Payton story, but we wanted, we really want to encourage families to pray together. Um, Many families do, um, Mm -hmm. grace at meals and perhaps a few other times, but we really want to encourage you to give daily family prayer a try, whatever that means for your family. We recommend the rosary. Maybe your family's not there to start yet. We have resources of how to get started on our website, praythefilm.com. If you go to the prayer resources section, you'll find information about the Pray Together Now campaign. We're inviting families to make a pledge to pray together as a family or, or to pray with those that you love most, for those mm-hmm. of you who are single, um, for 35 days and just give it a good shot and then see what happens. Wow. I, don't think, I don't think people will be disappointed. That's great. So people can get all that information at praythefilm.com, the website. Yes. Um, how many how many people you want to join in 10 million 10 million uh, and 10? we took we took that because that was father payton's original goal in 1941 wow, that's right when he started the first family rosary crusade and over his life he far exceeded that yes I mean, he appeared before audiences over over 28 million people he was on radio and television and all these things so um we wanted to you know renew that 
renew that goal of his in our day too. Wonderful, wonderful. So obviously, uh, one of your hopes is that that this film will 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 encourage or inspire people to 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 begin praying at home as a family. Um, but do you have Father David Guffey any other hopes for this film? It's it's people are going to be watching it in theaters next week. So what are your hopes? One is I just hope people are entertained. Uh, it, the, <laughs> the story's, the good, story's that's spoken good. like a good film producer. <laughs> when, when we've uh, when we've showed this film to distributors and then even in non-Catholics and or not people that, that don't have any particular faith, they've some they cry, they laugh, they 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 really have enjoyed the film. I hope that your audience does too, and I, I hope that in days where there's so much that divides us. I think we can all agree family is the most important thing in, in all of our lives. And we all want our families to be more united and prayer can help do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and a family that prays together <laughs> stays together in a world stays of together. prayers, a world of peace. Um, so those are, those are, uh, you know, kind of great phrases to live by. Um, so October 9th, opening in limited theaters across the United States. Um, hopefully it'll come to Canada one day. Um, mm-hmm. um, um, but as you said, it also will be uh, on demand in a year. But we want to encourage people to go to the theater this weekend, the 9th, the weekend of the 9th, um, and try to watch the film. Because uh, my understanding is the more people go, the more likely the film will, will continue playing over the next weeks, correct? That's right. That'll, that'll, and the other thing I'd really recommend is that people buy tickets in advance. For, and for this reason, a lot of theaters are limited capacity. Right. So you don't want to get to the theater and find out they could only have 25 people seated in a particular theater and then you list out. So I would really encourage you to go to the website, praythefilm.com. There's a, there's a little button on the opening page of where you can find theaters and then go to the theater and buy a ticket in advance. Okay, great. Absolutely. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be going to get tickets right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Father David, it's so good to, to, good to see you and good to speak to you today. Thank you for telling us about the film. Thank you, my friend. God bless. Father David Guffey is the executive producer of Prey, the story of Patrick Payton, a new film which will be in theaters starting this October 9th to find a theater near you and to learn how you can join the Pray Together Now movement. Go to PrayTheFilm.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Kasha and Murr, with a song written for persecuted Christians, particularly in Nigeria, Noli Timere, from her new project, Catholic Chapters. Noli Timere, Noli Timere, Noli Timere, Noli Timere, do not be afraid, the darkness will not conquer you, do not be afraid, Noli Timere. He's your light and
That was Kasha and Murr with Noli Timere, which means do not be afraid, from her new project, Catholic Chapters. Kay Clarity is a mainstream singer-songwriter who, growing more and more informed by the liturgical traditions of the church, decided to share her voice in a specifically Catholic context. And that's how Kasha and Murr began. But very soon, she embarked on a specifically Catholic project titled Catholic Chapters, which will feature some traditional and well-known Catholic chants, as well as some original pieces, like the one we just heard. The project is 100% crowdfunded, and to tell us more, I'm now joined by Kay Clarity. Kay, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you for having me. So you're joining us from California. I, I was I mentioning earlier that I had three guests on the show today, and they're all in California. <laughs> so there you go. Must be a good thing, um, uh, instead of us who are already freezing here in Canada. <laughs> Um, there's a reason why you moved. <laughs> um, I have to ask you, Kay, about your, about your name. Kay Clarity is your stage name, if I can say that, or your professional name. Yeah. Kasha and Murr is obviously not your name. It's, yeah. it's like, a, like, a, like a space for artists. So can you tell us a little bit about those two names and, 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 and who you really are? <laughs> sure. So uh, Kay Clarity, I'll just, I won't, I won't give the full background, but it is derivative of my given name and it's 
it's the name I've been functioning with for a few years now and what most people know me as in the world. You know, I have kind of a, an inner circle that has some of my more private <laughs> background, but that's, that's how right. most people know me now. And Kasha and Murr came from Psalm 145. And the way I've explained it in the past is that it, it comes from a line that says we offer Kasha and aloes and myrrh to the Lord mm -hmm. and Kasha, aloes and myrrh just didn't have the same ring. <laughs> so right. we go with Kasha and myrrh and it's just to kind of enter into that um, long tradition of understanding prayer and especially music as incense to the Lord. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's, the, that's where the name comes it's from. It's a beautiful, beautiful concept. Um, now, you describe yourself as a mainstream artist or mainstream singer mm -hmm. and, and writer, but, but are you, is it mainstream? Is it Catholic? Is this, are you just mm -hmm. doing a Catholic project, but you're also doing mainstream? Um, is, is Kasha and Murr because you want to be able to do more Catholic stuff? Can you explain that? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked because I like to be able to explain it. I see them as distinct categories of my work. So the mainstream work uh, is that everything I do in my life, I approach as a Catholic and everything mm -hmm. about my faith is very organically knit into whatever I write. But as a mainstream writer, uh, while it's not necessarily hard to find the richness of the Catholic faith sort of bleeding into a lot of my work, um, it's not something that is niched into just a Catholic market. And my, right, my right. goal with it is to just tell good stories, you know, kind of like the, the literary greats from the 50s, you know, yeah. like Flattery O'Connor. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and I'm glad you said that because my sense, like the song that we heard at the beginning of the program sometimes, which is a, a beautiful song. I'm so, I'm so happy that you've introduced me to that song. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say that it's a Catholic song, but obviously it's infused with who you are yeah. as a Catholic that, totally. you know, and I have this conversation with Catholic artists all the time, you know, so it, what makes Catholic music, the fact that it's, the fact that you're Catholic as a writer or the fact yeah. that it has a Catholic theme um, yeah. doesn't have to be chant to be Catholic. Exactly. Um, There's, there is something of a Catholic heart in it all. And I think yeah. it's, it fits well with sort of the literary tradition that we've, we've all had. I think as a Catholic, you, you get this rich tradition that you get to bring to everything you do. And yeah. that's an asset, not a, not mm -hmm. a plague, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So then Catholic chapters which mm -hmm. is, can I say, the first project under for Kasha and Murr? Exactly, yeah. Um, it's, it's an album or several albums. Can you explain how, how that works and how it got inspired? Yes. Uh, so for a long time, I had wanted to do something distinctly Catholic because, as I said, they're distinct things. In, for me, they're, they're distinct categories of work. And so I found I wanted to most just be a conduit of the tradition of the church as I fell in love with it more and more and to make it less about me and my personality or even my voice and have that be more in the backdrop and it be more just about the music and the tradition and about God and his church. So the long-term goal is to have more people involved. For now, it's just me. And the Catholic Chapters Project specifically is essentially a four-part album. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a four-part album, and some of it is well-known traditional Catholic hymns and chants? Mm -hmm. So the four, can I explain the four different chapters? Would that be yep. good? Yep. All right, so the first is the main focus, and that's the most loved Gregorian chants of the church, the most familiar ones, done mm -hmm. in my voice, just very simply. Okay. The second chapter will be 
hymns in Latin and English, the ones that have sort of stood the test of time over centuries, and also to be able to shine a light on the beauty of the Latin language. The third is the devotional song. So that's going to be sort of the Noli Timere or the one that you might play later. Mm -hmm. And the fourth chapter is a rosary recitation chapter where I, I use the Latin prayers of the church in original compositions underneath. And that'll be in Latin and English as well. Okay. Wow. So mm -hmm. that's, I mean, really, it sounds like it's four albums. <laughs> <laughs> it's ambitious. It basically is. I mean, sometimes you, you embark on something, but I think it felt important for me to do all, all four components, um, both because I had all these different things I wanted to share, but also it, there's something kind of pedagogical and sort of going through the different distinct components. Yeah, it's almost like it's building, one is building on the other or one informs mm -hmm. the other. So you can't do totally. the traditional hymns in Latin and English if you haven't done Gregorian chant first. And you can't mm -hmm. go into some of your contemporary compositions without mm -hmm. having to do some of the Latin. And even though, I mean, Noli mm -hmm. Temere is Latin, the whole song is not in Latin, but it's, a, it's an original. You wrote that song. Yeah. 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 I think that's what you're capturing something because the the, knowing the Gregorian of the church actually flows into all of our work. And so that's what I'm seeing is it, it gives you an, a contemplative heart and a different approach even to the more contemporary work. Right, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so to finish, or I guess to start the project, you have to finish <laughs> funding it. And, yes. and, and that deadline is October 7th, correct? Yes. Um, so how can people, how can people help? Well, I've got a lot of different tiers there, tiers available on the site, and they can check that out. But everything is at catholicsong.com. And we're about halfway to our goal. And I would love to see us do the whole thing by October 7th. Okay, good. And, and just to recap, so the song that we just heard, Noli Temeri, that will be in the new album? Yes, on the, in the third chapter. And we're going to end the program with I Am Your Light. That's also a contemporary, one of your, your songs, but it's also going to be on the album. Yes, as well as some other traditional hymns, like How Can I Keep From Singing and, and other, other songs that people will, will love as well. And can they hear some of that at that website so that they have a sense of what the album's going to be like? Yes, they've got there are some samples there and they can check it all out on YouTube from there as well. Okay, great. So catholicsong.com, that's really easy. Yes. Kay, it's so good to meet you. Um, I'm sorry you had to leave Saskatchewan and, and move to California. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's been I really love good. being here, but I do, I do miss my family and friends at home. Yes, of course, of course. And even the winter once in a while. Yeah, yeah. If the winter would be okay if it wasn't so long. Yeah. But mm -hmm. uh, great meeting you. Uh, great hearing about this project. And, and I hope our listeners are also falling in love with your voice and with your music and uh, will want to support you. So catholicsong.com. There, go and, and support Kasha and Murr. Um, okay. Once again, thank you for being with us and uh, all the best. Thank you so much for having me. You can learn more about Kay Clarity and Kasha and Murr at the website, as she mentioned, catholicsong.com. Here now is Kasha and Murr with another track from that new album, Catholic Chapters, I Am Your Light. Little one, you must not fear Though the darkness closes in strong, I am your light, I am your light, I am your light, I am your light.
hearts dry and you're thirsty in a wasteland. I am your light. I am your light. I am your light. I am your light. Fear not, I am with you always. Fear not, I have seen you cry. Fear not, I am waiting with you, and I'm working for your good. My sweet child, you do not know how my ways are not your own. I am your light. I am your light. I am your light. I am your light. listening to Kay Clarity with I Am Your Light from Kasha and Murr's album, Catholic Chapters. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour featuring our favorite conversations of the fall of 2020. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter and Instagram. And check out our website at slmedia.org. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Last weekend, on the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi, Pope Francis released his third encyclical letter titled Fratelli Tutti. It's a 287-paragraph document written in eight chapters that calls us all to recognize and live out our common fraternity and what Francis calls social friendship. The title, Fratelli Tutti, is a quote from the admonitions of St. Francis that translates to Brothers and Sisters All. Austin Ivory is a British Catholic journalist and the Pope's biographer. I spoke to him earlier this week about Fratelli Tutti. Austin Ivory, it's so good to have you in the program with us today. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Great to be with you, Pedro. So, the Holy Father has written this new encyclical. Uh, It's been... uh, 
I guess it's been it's been uh, categorized as a social encyclical. I think that's fair. What would you say are the main the main themes? Yeah, it is a it is a social encyclical. That's how the Pope himself describes it, and it's the successor, of course, to Laudato Si, uh, which we had in 2015, his great encyclical on creation. This is about <clears throat> our fellow creatures. So it really it should be seen, as I've been saying, in, in, if you think of the three great teaching documents of this pontificate, the first was Evangelii Gaudium uh, back in 2013, which was about our relationship with our creator, Laudato Si, our relationship with creation, and now with our fellow creatures. So it forms a kind of a triptych, the three relationships which need to be, as it were, regenerated or rediscovered. So this is about fraternity. It's about how we can uh, build and enable uh, a, a we, uh, a common horizon, a sense of ourselves as part of the same human family and why we have lost that so much in the contemporary world and how it's a route map then to recovering it and the implications then of putting fraternity at the heart of our social and political order. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to unpack that a little bit. Um, but first, because, I mean, you know, the Holy Father, you're his bi biographer. Um, is this a document that do you think that when, you know, as far back as Evangelii Gaudium, that the Holy Father was already thinking of these three themes, relationship with God, relationship with, with our common home, relationship with our brothers and sisters? Um, or is this something that maybe was taking shape a year ago already when he signed that that uh, declaration on fraternity with the Grand Imam in uh, Abu Dhabi, or all of the above? Yeah, well, the, tr the truth is I don't know the answer to that question. I've never, I've never asked him um, mm -hmm. uh, where the encyclical was born. Funnily enough, we've just been doing a book together, mm -hmm. which is coming out in December, uh, mm -hmm. called Let Us Dream, and I there asked him about the origins of Laudato Si, and um, I, I didn't ask him about the origins of, of Fratelli Tutti. But, but I think you can say that, yes, it was always the plan to focus on the regeneration of these relationships. And I say that because the whole pontificate is really the outgrowth of, or the application of, uh, the discernment of modernity that the Latin American bishops carried out in 2007 in the Shrine of Aparecida, when right. the then Cardinal Bergoglio was the main, as you know, author of that document. So, mm -hmm. uh, and of course, the, the, the diagnosis of that document was that those are the three relationships which have been corroded, if you like, by by globalization, by technology, by the loss of by the loss of bombs. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it was always it was always uh, in his mind to do it. Whether he actually planned these three in that way, right. you're right to to mention the, the the fraternity document from last year that he signed in Abu Dhabi because that's mentioned right in, in, at the beginning of Fratelli Tutti, and the Pope says this is in many ways a reflection on that document, and and Fratelli Tutti ends with the declaration of principles. Uh, with which that document ended. And, and just, just um, I'm sure uh, listeners know this, uh, Pedro, but just to remind people, that, you know, both Laudato Si and Fratelli Tutti are directly inspired by the figure of St. Francis of Assisi. Yes. And that document fraternity that he signed last year was on the 800th anniversary of the famous meeting of St. Francis of Assisi uh, with Al-Malik, with, uh, Al, Al which, which is kind of yes. the, great, the great iconic medieval moment of, 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 if you like, overcoming the borders and reaching out across, across the boundaries. Right. Um, yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned, you mentioned that because there's definitely that, that uh, it's not really a connection, but I guess it's rooted in that. 
um, in that meeting. Um, it, I, I hate to put it this way, but but when we talk about sort of human fraternity, we're all brothers and sisters, it sounds kind of floofy. So how does the Holy Father approach this topic and, and grant, and grounds it so that it's not just this sort of pie in the sky ideas, but is he, is he actually giving us practical solutions or practical action that, 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 that is, that is doable? Yeah. I mean, I think the risk of this topic is exactly that, the one that you've mentioned. It's one of those things, well, yeah, we all believe in this, don't we? But he constantly stresses in the encyclical that this, that this is all about uh, realizing fraternity concretely in the here and now, in the way we organize our economy, our politics, our society. Mm-hmm. Now, the heart of the, of the conversion to which he's calling the world is to be found in the second chapter of Fratelli Tutti, which is about the parable right. of the Good Samaritan. In fact, yes. the whole chapter is an exegesis of that, of that famous parable. And in it, he shows that what happens on that road to Jericho is that, is that there's a sort of transformation in the way we relate to each other, that, that you know, charity and compassion, which one might say in the ancient world, were always restricted to our tribe and our nation and so on, mm-hmm. now becomes something much more universal. What matters is not whether we're Jewish or Samaritan, whether we're a priest or not, what right. matters is... Do we, do we come to the needs of the person who's wounded? In there? So he explains there that's the big shift. Yes. He begins the document saying that's what we've lost. And it's a very powerful first chapter in which he looks out on a world which we've increasingly abandoned that sense of universal fraternity, that sense that we are all creatures of God who share the same dignity by virtue of our, of our creation. So, yeah, I think it's a pretty concrete document. And, of course, the, 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 the chapters that follow are on uh, very specifically on the whole global local question on mm-hmm. politics on questions of war and peace uh, on how religions can work together so very concrete um i would say guidance to a fractured world about mm-hmm. how to recover fraternity yeah and and that that story of the good samaritan it's almost and again i think it's hard for people to understand because we might we might have a sense that we are to care for each other because as an obligation, but the Holy Father says that it's not an obligation. We don't do it because it's an obligation. We don't even do it because it's the right thing to do. We do it because we are brothers and sisters. And maybe that, you know, that's a difficult thing for people. Yeah. To... So go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really bringing about what they, what theologians call a hermeneutic shift. And what that means is a, a different way of mm-hmm. seeing things. So that you see things as they really are. So the whole point of the Good Samaritan is that you know is is that is that we can get beyond our social functions and our fears and our identity questions. Yeah. And actually, if we just strip all that away and we see each other for who we really are, we will recognize each other as you know, brothers and sisters, yeah. children of the same God. So so that's the the dynamic, if you like, of, of that of chapter two and chapter three as well. Yeah, it's that conversion. It's all about, it's all about the way we see. Yeah, sorry, is that conversion, that conversion of heart that, that's very apparent in Laudato Si. Um, he talks about, uh, th- there's a whole section on politics, and I wanted to get your, your impressions on what he, he, he came up with a term that really, I, I thought it was fascinating, political love or political charity. Um, is this a new thing that he's coming up with? Actually not. It was Benedict, Pope Benedict in Caritas and Veritati in 2007 who spoke about politics as the highest form of charity. Right. And um, Francis actually quotes 
that document. He quotes Benedict a lot in, in Fratelli Tutti. Mm -hmm. So this is the idea of politics, not as a means of gaining power, but rather a means of service. So it's politics as service of the common good, uh, in which the politician becomes, if you like, the artisan of reconciliation and integration. Right. And, it, and, and isn't in it for himself, is, if you like, or herself, is a mediator who enables rather than somebody who grows at the expense of people. So the, 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 the political chapter is a really powerful indictment. I think one of the best things I've ever written. I agree on, with you. I know. I thought, I wish all politicians should be reading this. <laughs> I mean, I think it's actually one of the best things it written is. at the moment about contemporary politics. It is. Because it what is. he labels there is, is, you know, these two alternatives which, with which we're faced in the Western world, on the one hand, kind of technocratic liberal individualism which is just managerial and on the other hand this populism which in the name of the people actually uses and instrumentalizes the people as a means of people gaining power by turning them against others and of course both neither of those politics kinds of politics is rooted obviously in fraternity but neither of them is rooted in the reality of who we are as people and the way we relate right. to each other and right. it was one of, the, one of the great i mean early on not in the politics chapter but early on in chapter three he talks about you know, the three great slogans of modernity, liberty, equality, fraternity, the yes. slogans of the French Revolution. Yes. We've been big on liberty and equality, but we've neglected fraternity. And without fraternity, liberty and equality don't really make sense. Yeah. Would or they put they're rather, they're rather they're perverted. Liberty, in other words, becomes yeah, exactly. my self-assertion. Uh, equality becomes a rigid thing where we're all re reduced to sort of being the same kinds of people, this obsession with having, you know, the same identity. Whereas actually, if you, if you put equality, uh, if equality is nurtured by fraternity and liberty as well, we start to see that our equality rests not on our sameness from the fact that we have this, you know, we have the same father in, in, in God, the same creator, and that our, our shared dignity is what gives us our equality. Yes. Not the fact that we're the same. And again, the liberty is our freedom to, to, to be who we are, which is creatures of a loving God. So it's, it's, it's almost like fraternity has been neglected because, of course, it's, it, it does rest on an understanding. Fraternity, when you really, really look at it, rests on an assumption that, uh, which is really quite theological. Yes, it is. Um, would you say maybe in closing that... Because I was going to ask you, is this the more important of the three documents? But of course, we can't say that. Are they, they are three documents that have to be seen together in the context of each other. Because our, as you said, with, with equality, uh, liberty, and fraternity, it's the same with our relationship with God, our relationship with the earth, our relationship with each other. Those three have to inform each other and, and are deeply connected. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the three documents need to be seen together as a as a triptych, as I was saying. Mm -hmm. um, I have an article in Commonweal in which I've said I think if you to compare the three, um, if Evangelium has this kind of charismatic personal power to it, um, which Fratelli Tutti does not have. Laudato Si it's more is, is is quite a heavy document like Fratelli Tutti, yeah. but I think Fratelli Tutti lacks lacks the genius of Laudato Si. Huh. Now that's my that was what I would say. So I think I missed those two things. But where I think it is absolutely brilliant is that it nails completely the crisis that we're in. I don't mean the COVID crisis, although it does mention that. Uh, right. But rather the deeper, the deeper crisis of modernity. I think it is the way the teaching is reformulated and targeted so devastatingly and brilliantly at the crisis that we're living. Therein, I think, lies its brilliance. 
Yes, I, I think you're right, Austin Ivory. It's so good to uh, to to have you with us today and to hear your thoughts on this document. Thank you for all the work that you do and and for your insights today. Great to be with you, Pedro. Austin Ivory is a writer, journalist, and author. He is the author of The Great Reformer, Francis, and the Making of a Radical Pope. He spoke to me earlier this week from his home in the UK. You can follow him at Austin I. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Chris Bray, with Full Surrender from his album, Joy in My Heart. I've been holding back Every single way that I lack Fearing your love won't give my past Lord, I ask This is my full surrender God take my life forever That was Chris Bray with Full Surrender from his album Joy In My Heart. Chris Bray is a Canadian Catholic singer, songwriter, speaker, and evangelizer who's been on our program many, many times. A few years ago, Chris embarked on a new ministry, a web series called All That Catholic Stuff. Now, with COVID-19, All That Catholic Stuff is taking a lot of his time. Plus, he and his wife, Katie, have started another web series called Living the Way. And to find out more, I spoke with Chris earlier this week. Chris, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes. So, um, 
I think that you're going to say that because of the pandemic, but, th- but that's not the real reason. Why did you start doing these web series? You're doing two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, all that Catholic stuff I started probably three or four years ago uh, as just as a way to connect with people between ministry events. Mm-hmm. And so I would be at a church and then it would be maybe two or three years before I would be back at a church or an event or a parish mission or a conference. And I wanted to be able to pour into people uh, and to, you know, like pour into their faith and to, to help them learn and grow as I am. And, and so I, I started this series called All That Catholic Stuff um, because I realized that there was a lot of stuff about our faith that I didn't know that I took for granted. Like, why do we make the sign of the cross? And why, why, why do we believe the things that we do as Catholics? And, and not only like understanding the apologetic behind it, but also like the significance of it. How does that help us spiritually in our faith? You know? Right. And so that's why, that's why I started that. Right. But then this year you ramped it up and instead of doing one a month or one every once in a while, you were doing like one every day. No, I'm exaggerating, but a lot. It felt, it feels like that sometimes. I, I don't know the number, but I, it's probably been 50 or 60 wow. um, since March. Yeah. Uh, like it's been a lot and it's, I've learned so much by doing them. Um, yeah. I've also learned that it's, um, so I just, I love, I love being in a room with people, mm-hmm. you know, and I've really grown to miss that about this season. Yeah. And I'm with you there. Putting out a video and doing a live stream as thankful as I am for the technology to be able to do that, man, it is no replacement. Mm-hmm. And I think early on when the pandemic hit, it was kind of like people were like, let's live stream this and live stream that. And people were like, yeah, this is so great. And then I think after a few weeks, people were like, yeah, but this isn't the same thing, you know? Yeah. yeah enough. And, and yeah, and so it's, it has its limitations, you know, like it, as technology does. But um, I know whenever I've been in a place in my, my life when I've been seeking and searching and I want to know more about God and I want to grow in my faith, usually it's like YouTube or podcasts or somewhere, someplace like that is where I turn to, to mm-hmm. be inspired and to learn and to grow. And so I wanted to be able to provide that for people mm-hmm. um, because for the ministry that I offer, whether in music or speaking or whatever it is, um, the only way that I can really do that now in this time is digitally online. And so um, it took a little bit of time, but I kind of came to that realization that, all right, this, you know what, my work isn't done (laughs) now more than ever. Like people need Jesus and they need to hear the gospel and they, I mean, they're hurting and they're broken. They need to be inspired. And and so this is the only way that I can, I can meet people where they're at. Let's pour into this. Yeah, you're right. And, and that's where people are at. And it's able that you're able to, with the technology that you're able to do it. Um, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about actually how to do it, because there might be, maybe we can uh, in, encourage other people to do the same. But tell me a little bit. So that was all, the, all that Catholic stuff. But you started doing another podcast with your wife, Living the Way. Yeah. Um, well, that's, I don't know. That one, it's just kind of spawned um, just uh, I, I, sort of randomly, but also organically. And uh, like it, we, we had been discerning moving into homeschooling over the last, uh, I don't know, f- four years or so. Just, you know, we'd always kind of joke, like if we're supposed to homeschool, you know, things will have, probably have to get really bad, you know, and, and um, because we didn't feel that we, we were confident in ourselves. Like we, we're not homeschooling parents. We can't do that. You know, we don't know. We're not smart enough for that. <laughs> and, okay, you know, just and, and, remind, remind our listeners, you have six girls, five, five, five girls. girls. Oh, Sorry, five. five. So five girls under the age of 10. Yeah. 
Uh, well, actually, our oldest is just turned 11. So. Okay, good. So that's a lot of homeschooling, yes. Yeah, it's a, and it's a vast array of ages. And so um, we had sort of joked, you know, like, if we're supposed to homeschool, that God will present a clear sign for us. And when the pandemic hit, and when we realized, like, okay, school isn't just going to be, like, on pause for a couple of weeks. This is going to be until the summer. And then when we realized, like, oh, this is, this is like, this is going to impact things big time we kind of had that aha moment, like, if this isn't the sign, then I don't know what is, right? <laughs> and yes. and so we, we just started to, to pull at the strings of homeschooling and, and, and like just learning about it. And it like opened our eyes to this whole new philosophy of like, like, you know, learning oftentimes is put into this box where it's like you open up the workbook and you, you know, but like for us, we realize like learning is experiencing life and mm-hmm. it's going out in nature. And it's yep. like, you know, it's like everything is a learning opportunity. And, um, and when we started to just kind of discover that, oh man, it just, it opened our eyes and we got all excited about it. And so living the way that the, the video series that we started is really just us as newbies to homeschooling, just trying to figure it all out and, and hoping to be an encouragement to other people because we knew that there was probably a lot of other people who, whether it was just for, for this, for this school year because of the pandemic who were yes. thinking oh, I'm going to need to homeschool because like, I just, I'm afraid of what, you know, for health stuff or for whatever reason, right. We knew that there's probably a lot of people that were kind of in the same place we were struggling through like, what's the best curriculum? How do you do it? How do you get started? And mm-hmm. so we just, we just started to talk about it and, um, and we involved our kids in it and just, just showing that like, man, like even when we go to the zoo, even when we do simple things like baking cookies, like th- this is, this is all a learning opportunity and mm-hmm. it can be rooted in faith and family life. And, um, right. and like, wow, it has just opened our eyes too. Yeah. That's when you're so, yeah, you're so right that this is really helpful for people. So living the way you do it with your wife, do you, you said you involve the girls, do yeah. you see them on camera as well. So you and your wife yeah. are okay with that aspect of bringing your children into Chris Bray ministry. Yeah. Yeah, we were cautious. Um, and so far, it's been good. And I you know there might be a time when we need to, you know, claw back from that. Um, so mm-hmm. we're just kind of discerning as we go. Um, but I feel like they they bring a little bit of um, authenticity. Oh, yes, of course. Do it. Um, just, you know, the so the one of the recent episodes we just released was dissecting owl pellets. And so learning, well, what what is that when an owl eats something whole and has to spit up the bones and then like to see the excitement in our kids to be able to dissect the bones and figure out like, wow, this, this is the skull of a mouse, you know, and putting the bones together. I've never seen my kids so excited about learning in my entire life. Yeah, you're one, And yeah. when our school day was over and we said, all right, we're, we're wrapping up now, we're all done. And they continued to dissect these owl pellets yes. for another hour and a half. Yeah. And like, when I was a kid, that just didn't happen. You know, I didn't no, have you're that. right. Yeah, and that's, that, those are the benefits of homeschooling. And you can do so much more in one day in a couple hours, you know, like the kids go to school for six hours and you can do the same work in, in an hour and a bit and then let them, let them learn on their own. Um, so in terms of how you put these together, so are they like half hours, 15 minutes? Do you, how, how, how do you format the, each episode? Uh, they're just kind of however long they need to be. Usually okay. um, anywhere from seven to 12 minutes is kind mm-hmm. of what we aim for. Um, and it's a YouTube format is kind of, we, that's sort of where we, we live with that stuff. And then, you know, we share it on Facebook and Instagram right. and all that thing, but um, yeah, yeah we, we try and get engagement and just, 
to hear from other people because like it's not so much about like oh we figured it all out and now we're telling people it's more so like hey like what's worked for your family like maybe mm-hmm. we can learn from that like, what what engages your kids and you know comment and you know so that we can try that out too because like we we're putting it out not just for other people but for our sake as well you know right. and so it's just right. as helpful for us yeah now, um, in terms of the, the technology, because when you started with all that Catholic stuff, I mean, you probably didn't have the nice camera. Eventually, you got the nice camera. How important, now that you've been doing it for so long, how important do you think it is to have a good camera, to have good audio, to have the plot? I mean, because everybody's doing little web series, but I think it makes a difference if what you're doing is not just solid content, but also has a certain level of, uh, of a certain look, a certain professional level. I, I think um, I, I think it definitely allows it, it takes barriers away, right? Like so, it's kind of like the mass in a sense. If I were to use an analogy, it's like the beauty of the mass. Like if you have good content, it's kind of like the mass is like this beautiful, extraordinary gift that we have, and we want people to experience that. Except there can be impediments to it, right? You can have somebody who's reading from the readings and they're just super grumpy. And, you know, <laughs> or we could have a priest who doesn't do a very good job giving a homily or music that's just horrendous. And, and the beauty of that or the richness of it is not able to be communicated because there's these impediments. And I think it's similar to when we're putting out content, if the message that we're trying to get across is good and it's valuable and it's, um, it's affirming for people, and you know what I mean? Then, then let's remove the impediments. So have good audio. Yes. Have good video. Um, let's be creative and do something that hasn't, let's not just copy people, but let's, let's, you know, sh- share it from your perspective and mm-hmm. meet people, communicate it in a way that they're going to be able to, to uh, experience it. Like when I started with all that Catholic stuff, I realized very quickly that the format of uh, having really those 20, 30 minutes long was, they were too long because people didn't have that attention span. Uh, and so I, I really was conscious of like, well, let's get this down to three, four minutes tops. Let's give them just the information they need. And then yes. they can take that and do it, you know, if they want to explore some more than they can, you know. And so um, just being aware of those things, I think, can really help. Yeah, of course. So crispaymusic.com, that's where people can get, uh, get to watch the videos. You said you have a YouTube channel. So if they look for Chris Bray, they'll find you on YouTube. I'm sure they'll find the YouTube channel from your website as well. Yep. Uh, Chris Bray Music on YouTube and Living the Way on YouTube is our family vlog. Yep. Living the Way. Okay, there you go. Chris Bray, thank you. And uh, we didn't have time to talk about your music, but I know that you have a, some new music and we're getting a chance to listen to it today in the program. So hopefully there's a new album coming and that will be a great excuse to get you back on the show and we can actually talk about the music. How's that, Chris? I would love that. Sounds great. Okay, Chris, it's so good to see you. That was a conversation I had with Chris Bray earlier this week. He spoke to me from his home in London, Ontario. You can learn more about Chris Bray, his music and ministry at his website, chrisbraymusic.com. Here now to take us out is Chris Bray with his new single, Closer and Closer.
We're listening to Chris Bray with his 2020 single, Closer and Closer. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn all about Salt and Light and support what we do at our website, slmedia.org. If you have any questions or comments or just to say hello, reach out to me through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. <laughs>